Hey everyone, this is Jamie Austin, pastor of Woodlake Church. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Woodlake, head on over to woodlake.church and enjoy this message. Hey, this morning, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 15. We're going we're gonna to get there here in just a moment. But a couple of weeks ago, I just sensed the Holy Spirit just, just impressing upon me uh, to speak on this subject this morning. Specifically, the residual effects, the pain of past sin, even sin that we've been forgiven of. So, so how many of you know that the devil many times uses the language and feelings of guilt and shame? And even though we know we're forgiven, it still feels like we carry something. Would you agree? C.S. Lewis said something that I love, the great author. He, he said it this way, the whole world is bankrupt, but not everyone has declared bankruptcy. Isn't that true? Spiritually speaking, uh, we are absolutely lost. There is, there is no one good enough. In fact, someone called Jesus good one time, and Jesus just simply said this. He said, no one is good except God. Right? We, we need the Lord. Let, let me say it this way. In 2012, in fact, I found this article. 2012, there was a story aired in, on a lot of Texas news channels about a young man by the name of Hayden Carlo. Hayden Carlo was a, had, had a wife and two small children, and money was tight. Many of us can identify with that. And instead of paying his vehicle registration, he decided he needed to put food on the table instead. So he put food on the table, and then he gambled with his driving. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But he was driving, and one day, with the family in the car, looked up in the rearview mirror... And there was one of Texas' finest right behind him. Pulls him over and for, the, for the registration. And, and the officer uh, just was talking with him. And, and, and the article had it that Hayden just simply confessed. He says, I have no excuse. I'm guilty. He said, I, I, I couldn't afford it. And I just ran the risk anyway. Uh, I'm just guilty. And... The story read that the officer went back to his vehicle, said, give me just a moment. Now, I don't know about you. If you're my wife, that means you're probably going to get off with a warning. Because she has that, what seems to be the problem, officer? You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> when I do that, it doesn't have the same effect. <laughs> you know, I'll just be honest with you. So the officer comes back to this young man and, and hands him the citation folded up and Hayden just feeling defeated opened up the citation and there was a hundred dollar bill in it. He was guilty but somebody else paid. Folks, isn't that the message of the cross of Jesus Christ? We were, we were bankrupt, we were guilty, we were dead to rights and God stepped in and paid it all. Amen? That's the importance of the cross. 
And if we're not careful, we can slip into religious mode instead of forgetting that, that really the message of the gospel is the fact that we were guilty as sin. But God loved us so much, he gave his only son, Jesus, to pay our penalty on the cross. Oswald Chambers, the great devotional writer speaking of the cross, said it this way, all heaven is interested in the cross of Christ. All hell is terribly afraid of it. While men are the only beings that more or less ignore its meaning. We cannot separate Christianity from the cross. Without the cross, we are all bankrupt. Can I have an amen? Jesus in Luke chapter 15 takes a moment to explain vantage points of the cross and ultimately what he would do for each and every one of us when he gave his all on the cross. Scripture says, Luke 15 verse one, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. I, I love this. So, so ultimately when Luke is writing here, he's trying to tell us this, that there were Jewish people who were, had broken the law. And as a result of that, they were separated from God on the outside looking in, and this is who Jesus was connecting with. Anybody can identify with these people. So, so some verses, man, they talk about, about prostitutes. They talk about those who were, who, were, who were just sinners on the outside looking in. They were separated from God. And then tax collectors. I love that many times in Scripture, you see tax collectors in a category all on their own. And just simply put, the Roman government, occupying government, would solicit the help of Jewish people to act as tax collectors on behalf of the Roman government. So ultimately, these were Jewish people who were traitors. So when you read in scripture, when they say tax collectors, anybody have a mental soundtrack in your head? Okay, anytime you see tax collectors, immediately your mental soundtrack needs to go dun dun dun. So let's practice. Now the tax collectors, there you go, and sinners were all gathering around Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. So, so here's the picture. Jesus was hanging around with people who were relationally and religiously separated from their God. And they were convinced there was no going back. You had Pharisees standing in the background, the religious leaders who, who just were just muttering amongst themselves, there's no way this man could be the Messiah because if he knew who he was hanging out with, man, that, that, they are unclean, they are separated from God, there is no way. In this snapshot, we have a picture, I hear a phone ring, you better answer if that's Jesus, okay? <laughs> okay. Um, we have a snapshot of the function of the church. That people who are disconnected and away from God, this is where you need to be. Can I have an amen? Woodlake family, I know I don't need to remind you. In fact, I say this phrase often. If you come to Growth Track, you hear it right off the bat. Lost people is why we turn the lights on. So church should always be a place where there are people who are in progress. Can I have an amen? 
That means church is going to be a little messy at times. If the church gets pristine, we cease to be the church. So parents, let me just tell you something. The truth is your kids will come to children's church or they might even come on Wednesday nights to our amazing student ministry and there are going to be kids here who are not saved and sinners are going to do what sinners do. I've seen church people do what sinners do too, but that's besides the point. Can I have an amen (laughs) or oh me, all right. Don't let that keep you away from church. I've had people say this before. Well, I don't go to church because there's hypocrites there. Folks, there's a lot of things here. We are works in progress. Ultimately, the church is here, God's chosen mechanism to see people one to God and disciple. Amen? The church is a snapshot of what heaven's going to be like. So Jesus, again, was, was pulling people around him. And even in this moment, he's trying to communicate and illustrate and explain the mechanics and the impact of the cross of Christ. And he begins to tell these stories of things that were lost. He tells the story of a, of a lost coin. The, the coin was lost through no fault of its own. It was just lost. And some of you, you can identify with that coin. You weren't raised in church. You never heard anything about Jesus, but boy, one day you were found. You, you had an encounter with Jesus, and you think, why did I not know about this, right? He tells the story of a lost sheep. The lost sheep was lost because sheep are stupid, and it wandered off, Right? Some of you have been that. You've been in the fold. You've been a part of the body of Christ, but you simply wandered off. But thank you that he comes and pursues us. Amen? They're important. People that are lost through no fault of their own, the people that wander off are important. But then Jesus tells a story that absolutely rocks people to their core. In fact, what I'm about to read to you right now, as Jesus was telling it, it was, it was scandalous. I'll explain it here in just a second. But he tells the story of the lost son. Probably my favorite story in the Bible because folks, I can identify with this. Luke chapter 15. Jesus with sinners and tax collectors around and religious people in the background muttering. He says this, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, sat out for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up, he went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, I love this, this part. His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick. I love that. Not take your time. Not there's a mandatory three-day waiting period after the background check. Quick. 
Let me pause there for just a moment. Church, when new people come in, quickly go meet them. Amen? Amen? When someone comes to the altar for prayer, quickly engage them. Can I have an amen? amen? Bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. This is the one scripture that is very clear that veganism is against the Bible. I'm just kidding. That's, I'm sorry. That, all the vegans are like, when I get my strength back, I'm going to say something to you. <laughs> no, listen. Yeah, I, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was... Back to our regularly scheduled message, all right. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine who was dead is alive. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. I love this story. And if you were raised in church, you've probably heard this story a lot. There's so many nuances that Jesus is trying to get across. Remember, the sinners and tax collectors were Jewish individuals who would have understand the cultural background of, of all of this. For this son to say, Dad, give me in my inheritance, it was as if the son was saying, Dad, I wish you were dead. Now, I don't know about you, but if my kids say, Say, Dad, I wish you were dead. Jamie, would you cry? Yes, after I laid hands on them quickly. (laughs) It wouldn't go well for them. I'll just tell you that right now. I'd be like, it is on right now. Here we go. Give me my share of the inheritance. He goes off and squanders his inheritance. Let's pause there for just a moment. How many of us, you were raised in church, maybe you said yes to the Lord, but you just wandered, you just got away, did your own thing, and you squandered your freedom, you squandered your salvation, you squandered your peace of mind on wild living, living how you wanted to live. We've all done it. Then a famine hits the land. Have you ever had life hit the fan? You know what I'm talking about? And it's amazing life hits the fan when you don't need it to. This young man had run out. He was at his end and that's, that's when it all hit. So much so that nobody would give him anything. And maybe that's you here today. Life was great. You were living on your own, but you, you, now you're in want. Now you're in need. And those people that promised they would always be there, now or not. The source that you have given your life to. Maybe it was a relationship or a job or or, or an addiction and now it's leaving you in want. That's where this young man was at. If you were hearing this story for the first time, those people were saying, and he deserved it. And he did. Then it says this, that he went and hired himself out to a man and was assigned to feeding pigs. So for a Jewish individual to hire out to a Gentile was a bad deal. But then to give him the worst job that a Jewish person could ever have, that was tending unclean animals. Rock bottom. Some of you are there now. even though you're just trying to survive in the back of your mind, thinking this is not where I'm supposed to be. If I'd, if I'd known now, if I'd known then what I know now, we would never be here. 
And I love what scripture says. It says he came to his senses. You ever had that moment where you came to your senses? What am I doing? My father's hired servants have food to spare. Here I am at rock bottom. He said he longed to feed his stomach with the pods he was feeding pigs. You ever feed pigs? You don't give them the good stuff. Pigs eat anything. He says, I will go home. Oh, hallelujah. Keep in mind, Jesus is telling this story and the people are going, what? The young man simply said this, I'll say to my father, I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be called your son, just make me like one of your servants. So the Bible says he set off. He, he, he set off. Now, let me just pause here for just a moment. This story, as Jesus was telling it to the people, sinners, tax collectors, Pharisees, as they were hearing it, again, he's trying to unpack the, 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 the power in, in, in the, the, the cross and all that he would do for every one of us throughout the ages of time. You've got to understand, this story was so offensive that, that, let me say it this way. When I was a kid growing up, I used to go spend the night at my grandparents' house. And there were things that I could watch on TV and laugh at home, but when I was at grandma and grandpa's house and it came on and I'm going, <coughs> let me just say it this way. There are things that are funny when you're watching by yourself, but you don't want to watch it with grandma. My grandma would have this response. This is garbage. Turn this garbage off. That's why we don't have TV. have one-eyed devil in our house. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. God, so what am I trying to say? As the people were hearing this story, you got to understand there were people going, this story is garbage. No way. This son deserved everything he was getting. Telling his father he wished he was dead. Taking that hardworking inheritance and squandering it on wild living. And then a famine hit. Of course a famine's going to hit. A famine always hits. You should be ready. And now he's feeding pigs and thinks he can just come home shameful. Shameful. And that's what I want to talk about today. You see, most of us in this room can wrap our head around the idea that the blood of Jesus means that somebody paid for my sins. We, 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 we can wrap our head around this concept that we, we can be forgiven but somehow, this, this shame thing, this guilt thing, is something we deserve to carry. Now, you're right, we do. Tim Delina says it this way, though. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, God forgives so thoroughly it is as if we have never sinned. So this morning, I want to encourage you, believers and unbelievers, if you are carrying guilt and shame, it's time to stop. Uh, let me say it this way. Uh, this is, this is uh, Sean and Joy Four brought me this weight. This weight is five pounds. That's not a lot of weight, right? But if I were to hold this thing for 30 minutes, it starts to hurt, doesn't it? If I start to hold it for an hour, 
two hours, can I just tell you, I don't even know if I could. Because even though it's only five pounds, the longer I hold it, it didn't gain in weight, but the effects of it on me is the problem. It, it, it causes pain. It's, my arm is going to ache. And finally, at some point in time, I'm going to have to put it down because I can't carry it anymore. Could it be that there are those of us in here today that even though we know we are forgiven because of the cross of Jesus Christ, we still carry a little, a little weight around. And we've convinced ourselves we have to. And, and, and the reality is, even though you're carrying it, you're not carrying it very well. Things are falling apart. You're getting more angry. You're getting more agitated. And what happens is it gets real easy to blame other people, blame the church, blame the preacher, blame other believers. And really what we're doing is we're carrying around something we don't have to anymore. So my prayer is today, by the time we're done, that every believer has a renewed sense here today of the magnitude of the, of the forgiveness of the cross of Jesus Christ. So if you're taking notes, I'm just gonna give you one concept today. Uh, the cross took it all. And I'm gonna show you. So the sinners and tax collectors sitting around Jesus at this time were hearing some for the first time that they could come home. That, that the father was in a position of yes, I want you back. L let me say it this way in credit card language because we got financial peace starting tonight. Amen. You, uh, these guys were hearing, they were pre-approved. Does that make sense? They could come home. I can only imagine the, the sinners going, but, but, I, but I've broken the law. I, I, you're saying that, that God, God, God wants me back? And the tax collectors, I am a traitor. And God still wants me back? This is Jesus communicating again the mechanics of the cross of Jesus Christ. So all of a sudden, he, again, he tells the story. This young man gets up on his way home. I'm sure on the way he's, he's, he's memorizing, he's, he's playing in his head his apology. I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Let's pause there for just a moment. There are those of us in this room today, maybe watching online, although you know you are saved, you have convinced yourself that you will never be a son or daughter of God again. You have to live as a servant. That surely there's no mansion for me in heaven. Your mansion will say Coleman on it. Little pup tent. And you're fine with it. As I don't know about you, I've made enough mistakes in my life. How many of you are just thankful to be alive today? Can I have an amen? And you're fine with it. What Jesus was trying to communicate in that moment is, you may be fine with it, but that's not what we get through the cross of Jesus Christ. He, he begins to tell this story, Father, I'm not worried to be called your, your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. He's walking back into town. He paints this picture of, of this father. Now, let's talk about this for just a moment. The, the Bible says that while he was still a long way off, Jesus was telling people who thought it was all over, completely separated from God, that their heavenly father was hunting for them. Amen. 
Some of us are in this room today and because you've made enough mistakes, you've lived enough life, life has hit the fan that somehow, someway, you think God has turned his back on you. That is not biblical. He's hunting for you. While he was still a long way off, he saw him and he ran to him. You know what I love about that picture? It was the father that closed the distance. And that's exactly what Jesus was trying to communicate about what he would do ultimately on the cross. The cross means that God closed the distance. Oh, anybody excited about, you're not excited about that here today? You and I would never be good enough. You and I couldn't have enough good check marks by our name. We needed God to close the distance with the cross of Jesus Christ. Folks, we will never stop preaching about the blood of Jesus Christ and his cross. Amen. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, and no one, and no one comes to God except through Jesus. Amen. Well, Jamie, that's not a popular message. I don't feel safe. He's not concerned about your safety. He's concerned about your salvation. That was pretty good. (laughs) Save that for another day. Okay. Here's the deal. Son's walking back in. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be called one of your sons. I made me, made me like one of your servants. He's rehearsing the apology because he, he knows whatever, whatever punishment he gets, he deserves. How many of us are in here today that you lived enough life that you couldn't blame any? You, you came to the point you realized it wasn't mommy and daddy's fault. It wasn't your spouse's fault. It wasn't your neighbor's fault. It wasn't the church's fault. That's a sobering moment, isn't it? I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. I, I love it. He closes the distance, and I won't preach on this very long, but it, it's so beautiful. He, 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 he does the rehearsed apology, and the father does not even address it. He just says, quick, quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. I love that. Don't dig out in the winter clothes that one coat that we loan the neighbor kid when he comes over. No, 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 no. Put the best robe on him. Then he says this, put a ring on his finger. Most of us, if you studied this passage of scripture, probably referring to what they call a signet ring. It was a sign of the, what family he belonged to. And as long as he had that ring on, that ring signified that the debts were going to be paid by dad. Folks, the debt was paid by dad. Can I have an amen here today? Amen. Amen. Then he said, put sandals on his feet. That's a powerful concept right there. In in those days, in biblical history, the the sandals was the separation point. Servants went barefoot. Sons wore sandals. Oh, somebody get happy here today. Not only are you not going to be a servant, but I want everybody to know, you're my son. Then he turns around and says, kill the fatted calf. I love that. Listen to me. Those of you that have been in the cattle, but you know what I'm getting ready to say. There's the cattle that are out in the field, and they made it through winter, and they ate hay, and you're done with them, and you're ready to get them to the sale barn. But then there's the one that's in the pen. He don't eat just hay. He gets grain. 
fatted calf. You want fat on your beef. Can I have an amen? Oh, folks, with the right amount of grain, the right mixture, that, that fat gets the right marbling, makes the ribeyes pop in your mouth. Can I have an amen, right? I mean, this calf was treated differently. This calf was like family, almost. That's how you know you love a family member, by how they taste, right? <clears throat> kill, don't kill the one out in the field. Kill the one we've been saving. You see, that one's not killed. That one's not harvested. That one's not butchered, unless it's a special occasion. So when somebody comes back to God... Look at the effect that God's having. Not only are they completely restored to sonship, they are not a servant and we celebrate. Folks, can I tell you something here today? If you are away from God, no one's gonna look down on you. We want you home and he wants you home more than we do. Come home, come home, come home. Amen. Oh, no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. Here's the end. Again, we can wrap our heads around I can be forgiven, but I owe it to carry the weight of shame. Maybe that's you here today, and this is just getting so heavy. It's embarrassing. If I could go back and change it, I would. And again, Jesus is communicating here. While he was still a long way off, the Father saw him and ran to him. The custom of that day for the head of the household to run would have been inappropriate. It would have been embarrassing. Are y'all with me here today? And listen, that father is a picture of God that God embarrassed himself to get to us. Come on, somebody. He, he, he ran to him. Now, I can only think of my dad. My dad has had two knee replacements. So my dad, when he, when he runs, it, he's got to get going. How many knee replacement people? You know what I'm talking about? It's not, it's not, a, it's not a, he's not doing a combine, NFL combine. I mean, to get up. <laughs> you know, it takes effort. He's probably watching this today going, oh, well, you just moved down the food chain in the will. No. <laughs> The father saw him and ran to him. A picture of God embarrassing himself. He, 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 he shamed himself. Why? So, so he could get to his son who was once dead but now is alive. Amen. Isn't that powerful? God loves you that much. Now, here's the interesting part. He, he shamed himself. He's embarrassed himself. And again, Jesus communicating what he would do on the cross for each and every one of us. You see, the cross was not just a Roman mechanism for capital punishment. It wasn't just to kill the criminal. It was to shame the criminal. Are you with me? Jesus hung beaten and naked on that cross. Not only did he die for our sin, but he was shamed for our sin. Now, I'm gonna give you a scripture. I want you to write it down. It's gonna radically change your life. You ready? Some of you don't even know it's there, but it's in Deuteronomy chapter 21. It says this, this is Mosaic law. This was, this was law. If someone has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him, 
His father and mother shall take him and bring him to the elders at the gate of his town. They shall say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton. He is a drunkard. Verse 21, then all the men of his town are to stone him to death. Probably not a Bible passage that will make it on a card at Mardell's. You see, as this son is walking back into town, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Make me like one of your servants. In the back of his mind, as he's getting ready to walk into the gate, he knew that the men of that town had a law to kill him. Mom and dad, I brought you into this world and I can have you taken out. That's legit right there. So in the back of his mind, I'm sure he's thinking, if dad doesn't take me back, it's over. If dad doesn't take me back, I'm dead. He's rehearsing it. I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm not longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your servants. Dad, please get here. Please get here. Please get here. Because if you don't, the next thing I'm going to feel is a rock to the back of my head and I deserve it. And about that time, here comes dad, who's embarrassed himself. So as the son is walking back into town and the people are going, how dare he? How shameful this son. Jesus was communicating as the father shamed himself. And when he threw his arms around his son, no longer could they invoke the law? So not only was the sin forgiven, uh, let me say it this way. Can I get a little theological on you for just a second? The book of Romans, uh, I'm going to give you some real fancy words that don't have, they're not real fancy meanings, but they sound fancy. You ready? So all, all the deep people in the house, here you go. Uh, Jesus, when he went to the cross, the book of Romans explains his substitutionary work on the cross, meaning this, that when Jesus hung on the cross, we, he became our substitute for sin. Does that make sense? Where we deserved death, where we deserved our blood to be shed, Jesus was substituted on our behalf. And not only did his substitution take care of our sin, folks, everybody lean in, it also took care of our shame. So when Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation, the old is gone, the new is come, Paul meant it. I don't have to walk around with my sin anymore, and guess what? I can lose the weight. Jamie, that's, that's not fair. <laughs> Aren't you so glad nothing about our faith is fair? That's almost too good to be true, isn't it? So if you're here today and you're dealing with the residual effects of sin, which is sin and shame and guilt and all that other stuff, can I just encourage you that when you said yes to Jesus, not only was your sin paid for, not only did he take your sin, he, he took your shame. Jamie, how do I get in on that? By faith. Um, if you see me out in the foyer, a lot of times I'm drinking coffee. I love to drink coffee, yeah. Um, in fact, I, 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 I should have a lid on it, but I, Jen's shaking your head. And you'll see why in just a moment. One, some of you come in for a hug, and I, 
This top of my hand is numb from being coffee spilt. I just no more feeling in it anymore, okay? Um, but what happens a lot of times, I spill coffee on you. Many of you have been anointed by coffee here at Woodlake, all right? Or I'll spill coffee on myself. And uh, it's been a little while ago, but I actually spilled coffee down the front of my shirt. Now, I'm so glad that we dress casual in church now, but used to folks, we wore ties and it was real easy. Just put a tie on and cover it up. I'm not saying we go back to ties, but you see what I'm saying, right? So, so I had this stain down the front of my shirt and I thought, man, I got to preach here in just a little bit, you know, and, and, and thank God for high definition cameras. It's going to be right there for the world to see. And, and one of our worship team members came out and they said, we got a stain stick. We can clean it up. So I'm like, awesome. I'm going to clean that up, right? So I, I, I got it out, kind of. Let me say it this way. I got it out enough that unless you sat on the front row, you probably couldn't see it or even notice. But here's the deal. I knew it was still there. Are y'all with me? But how many of us are here today and we, we know we're forgiven, but on some level, oh, we still remember. We still feel it. Let me say it again. We're still trying to cover up what Jesus paid for and is no longer there. There's an old song we used to sing in church, <laughs> written in 1869. Simply read this, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe, here it is. Sin had left a crimson stain. Say it with me, but he washed it white as snow. Folks, the ticket's been paid. Can I encourage you today, if you're still walking around with the weight of shame, that by faith today, you let the Lord help you understand that was paid for as well. Amen. Prophet Isaiah said this, of the Lord, he said this of the Lord Jesus, that when he hung on the cross, he bore in his body our sin and our sickness. Isaiah 53 and verse 3 says that he was despised and rejected. That means he was held in contempt. He was, he was thought of of no account. Listen, that's what shame feels like, doesn't it? So both the Old and the New Testament confirm not only did he take our sin, but he took the weight of our shame as well. So I want to pray for you today. I'm going to ask you to simply bow your heads and close your eyes all across this place. If you're new with this, the reason why we do this here is nobody gets off the hook here. I'm going to challenge you to say, Lord, what did I need to hear today? If you're with us today and you'd say, Jamie, I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. You'd be real honest and say, you know what? I've just been playing a religious game. I've lived off my wife's religion. I've grandma prayed for me and I thought I've been good. Or maybe you're just here giving the Lord one last try, then, then I want you to hear this. God loves you and there is nothing you can do about it. The word says that God loved us so much he gave his only son, Jesus, to pay our penalty once and for all, for all of our sin, all of our mistakes. And the apostle Paul broke it down this way. And whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So here's my question. Do you need to be saved today? you need to be forgiven of sin. If that's you on the count of three, I, I just want you to slip a hand up, hold it for just a moment. 
then you can put it right back down. And then we're all going to pray, every one of us, okay? But you say, Jamie, that's me. I'm saying yes to Jesus today. I'm going to leave here forgiven of my sin. If that's you on the count of three, would you hold your hand up? One, two, three. That's me. Anybody in the house? If you're watching a line, Pastor Dennis is right there ready to pray with you. Anybody in the house here today? We had several responding in the first service. If you're online saying yes to the Lord, just let Pastor Dennis know about your decision. Here's the second thing I want to pray for. If you're with us here today, you'd say, Jamie, I know I'm forgiven. I can wrap my head around that, but I'm carrying, <laughs> I, I, I'm carrying the residual weight of shame, even though I know the ticket's been paid. You're here today and you'd say, Jamie, that's me. So by faith, I need the Lord just to lift that weight off of me. Maybe this is the first time you've heard this here today. You say, Jamie, by faith, I, I need to let go of the shame and the guilt and live free. If that's you on the count of three, you say, Jamie, that's me. Let's pray here today. Here we go. One, two, three. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we come to you today. We are so thankful for the cross and his shed blood. Somebody had to pay. And you closed the distance. Lord, thank you. Thank you for our salvation today. But Lord, you see those of us that wrestle with carrying a weight we're not supposed to. Not only did the cross free us from sin, but it freed us from shame and guilt here today. And Lord, maybe some of us here today, just like when the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we're now right with you, some of us need that Holy Spirit to testify that we no longer walk in shame and guilt. Like the lost son, we have relegated ourselves to servant living when, it, when we were always meant for living as a son or daughter of God. So, Lord, today, in a way that only you can, I pray, lift that weight. And may we walk out of here as David cried with a renewed joy of our salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. At Woodlake Church, our passion is to help you connect with God, find your sweet spot in ministry, and grow in your faith. Everyone is welcome at Woodlake. If you've never been to church before in your life, or if you're a lifelong Christian, Woodlake is a place where you can experience real and lasting spiritual growth. Music is upbeat. The messages are straight from God's word. They're very practical. We also have great programs for infants through 12th grade. I mean, we have something for everyone. Come check us out this weekend. I promise you'll be glad you did.